as a sales professional, you need the help that's available to find the leads that will turn into business. There's a term out there called intent data. And today with me to explain what this is and how you can use it and what you need to know is Ed Marsh, the founder and principal of Concilium Global Business Advisors. Ed, thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me back, Jeff. It's great to chat again. This intent data is a topic you thought we should talk about. Can you explain what this is? Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 a fascinating topic. It's kind of there's a shiny new version of it, but it's a very traditional topic too. But it's important. We'll we'll kind of set context, talk about what it is, talk about how it's oversold in many cases, and how companies can reasonably use it. So, kind of backing up, what is intent data? I would say intent data is anything that you can observe that will help you really gauge a prospect's interest or what they're thinking about or a, their likelihood to buy or a project going on at a company or something like that. Now, today, that's often talked about in terms of a digital format. Well, maybe we'll get to that in a minute. But 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 if we just even back up, you think about old-time sales calls, you'd be sitting across the desk from somebody. We were trained as salespeople to see, are they folding their arms? Are they acting distracted? Are they taking a phone call while you're there, um, you know, that's intent data. They're indicating that they're perhaps not as interested in what you're talking about as you'd like. Another example might be you have somebody that visits your trade show booth in the morning. They're kind of interested. They're asking some engaged questions. They say, oh, yeah, we'll be in touch. And that afternoon, they come back with two or three of their colleagues. Clearly, they're interested. That's intent data. That's physical intent data. It's kind of from the old world, and it still counts. It still goes on. But we've got an opportunity now with digital tools that we can actually tell a lot more about about what people are thinking. You know, good examples might be how frequently they come to your website. What, uh, which of your emails do they open? Which links do they click on? Are they reading your blogs? Do they watch your video? Do they rewind any part of your video? Do they watch the whole thing? Um, do they engage with your social media accounts? What pages on your websites have they been on? And even maybe what order. I mean, a great example that I talk with people about is if, um, you know, you may have two versions of something that you sell. Let's say there's an automatic and a semi-automatic version, and suddenly you get an RFQ form submitted on your website. Somebody says that they're interested in the semi-automatic version. But if your salesperson looks and sees that they've bounced back and forth between the page for the automatic version and the semi-automatic version like five times, and finally submitted on the semi-automatic version, you know, you, you might say to yourself, they probably would like to get the automatic and they're not sure they can. Maybe they're wrestling with this decision. And so it gives you really good information when you make a sales call about kind of where you begin that conversation. Some questions that you ask that might elicit something that they would be otherwise hesitant to tell you. What you just said there, Ed, is interesting. So would that be something you would just have information for yourself? They don't want to know you're lurking, right? And seeing what they're doing. Yeah, so so there's definitely a creepy factor to intent data, and and it takes good training with your sales team. It takes uh, what we might call sales enablement. And I'll give you a couple examples. Um, there's first party intent data, which is what we're talking about, which is everything on your site, your digital footprint, everything that you, you basically control. And I think most people recognize that most companies have marketing automation. They've got website tracking, they have email tracking, they're they're tracking the links that are open. So I think, you know, that's not such a problem. You you want to make sure that you disclose cookies and the other kind of stuff um, appropriately. 
even I'll, I'll even say that sometimes it can be helpful. And an example is if I send somebody an email um, and we have a conversation, we're supposed to follow up at a certain point. Everyone's busy. I see them open the email and click on a link that's pertinent to our conversation. I get a notification. I might use that opportunity to call. And of course, they're going to know implicitly that it's not just random timing, but it's amazing how often people say, oh, you know, the timing is perfect. I'm just looking at that. Thanks for calling me. Let's take a minute and talk about it. So it actually can almost help be convenient. On the other hand, I've seen cases with third-party intent data, which is where you're collecting information from outside. People sell this often quite expensive and, and unfortunately quite low accuracy, but often it's misunderstood and just handed the sales team as a set of leads. And I've heard salespeople pick up the phone and call somebody and say, hey, since you're thinking about getting ready to buy such and such, um, you ought to talk to us because we've got a great version. And, and, and that really doesn't work very well. You can imagine the creepy factor that it kind of pins out the meter at that point. Okay, so go deeper into what, how do you use that? Because if you're buying the data that you mentioned and you don't just make the phone call, what do you have to share on that? What can you do with that information? So I think it's important to, first of all, think of it primarily as a marketing tool and secondarily as a sales tool. And um, I'll tell you, in some cases, sales can even get frustrated with it because they, 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 they misunderstand. They think it's like a set of active leads. And all we're doing is saying that these people are taking action that indicates they might be thinking about it. And so it's really a cold call and you have to approach it that way. Marketing, I think, understands that better, but marketing can even back up. And there's there's different kinds of data. There's the first party data, which is what you own. There's second party data, which is what groups like ISSA often make available if you've got registered users and you have digital programs where people can buy ads or sponsor an email. Often that's information that is available for purchase through, through that second party. And then there's third party data, which is basically, uh, the idea is what people are doing everywhere else on the internet. So you can take all three types of data and fold it into your database. So in other words, let's say if you're a marketing group, you see you've got a target account identified and somebody with the right job title from that account comes to your website and downloads some sort of a guide or an offer. And then maybe you see a couple other people from that same company visit your site anonymously, bounce around a couple pages, but never fill out a form. And then if at the same time you see in third-party account data, there's two or three people from that same company with the right kinds of job titles that are taking action around key terms or competitors related to that topic, you might reasonably say, I think this constellation of activities together means that there's probably something going on. And, and then provide that information to your sales team to follow up on. You might use it to target some paid ads. But the point is, it takes some analysis. If you just give a list to salespeople, often it ends up being a waste of money. So marketing has to have the resources and the mindset and the technology to kind of ingest it and work on it. Often what happens, though, is there's a lot of third-party data companies out there, and, and they're really into just selling subscriptions. The, the unfortunate reality is some of them are publicly traded. They're under quarterly pressure. They do crazy things at the end of the quarter with pricing and, and, and promises. And often I've seen small companies buy data thinking that it really is just a source of very high quality sales leads. They spend the money, they get it in, their salespeople start calling and nothing happens. And, and that's unfortunate because there is potential, but you have to understand how to use it.
to me, this all sounds great, but you must you must need a team to filter through all that, or can all this be automated and delivered to you to use? What do you think about that? So I think the 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 long answer is yes, it can be automated, but it's a complex. It's it's a really deceptively complex technical challenge. I think there's a hybrid where if you have some different data sources, particularly if you've got a good idea of your ideal customer profile, you've got a decent target account list, you've got good marketing automation. When you observe there's something going on, you can also look at intent data and see if you see anything else there as well. I think it may make sense to not even tell your sales team that you've observed that, but just to say, we believe there's a project. Here's the kinds of things we think they're thinking about. Here's the problems that we guess they're likely trying to solve and please use your best sales outreach efforts focusing on that topic and see if you can find a project. So I think the sophistication happens in the analysis, but it's a pretty basic sales play even even so. Okay. Intent data. Very interesting. Uh, We all know what's out there. Now a little bit more information on how to use it and what to look for. Anything else that we've to cover? Have we missed anything? Yeah, I would say two things. Number one is really caveat emptor, as the saying goes. Um, It it sounds really sexy. A lot of people oversell it. So be really careful. Make sure you're clear on what you're getting, whether you get contact information, account information, how accurate it is, whether it recognizes privacy considerations, all that kind of stuff. Just do, do a lot of due diligence, ask a lot of questions. And second of all, before you ever worry about the third party data, look at the first party data that you're already collecting. And then second party data can be really a good source. I mean, through organizations like ISSA that know who your buyers are, it can be a great source of information to plug in and complement your first party data as well. 